Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Terry Thorne delivers the message entitled, People Jesus Met Along the Way, Martha and Mary. So join us now from the sanctuary of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, as we continue in this series where we see Jesus encountering or meeting people, and today we hear about a really intimate uh, visit that he made to the home of Martha and Mary. Now, as they went on their way, he he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There's need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come together and hear your word read and proclaimed, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us hear what sounds so familiar in a new way. May our minds and our hearts be open to hear, see, and be transformed by the love and grace that you give to us this and every day. Amen. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Ouch! Let's face it, there are few sentences in all of Scripture that can strike a nerve as quickly as these two. Regardless of how many times we hear them, they never lose their power to stir up all kinds of feelings, perhaps guilt or defensiveness or maybe some sense of superiority. And that's not just for church women, although it does hit particularly hard for many of us. I mean, I feel seen and slightly on edge to defend Martha, but then again, I am a card-carrying member of the Martha Recovery Program. (laughs) So I don't hear Martha, Martha as much as I hear Terry, Terry, and I cringe a little. And I'm fairly confident I'm not alone. And while this particular story is about two sisters, two women, I am certain that there are also men in this room that can relate as well. We all know that Jesus' words are as much for us as they were for Martha. And unfortunately, this story has at times been misused or maybe even wrongly interpreted to create unnecessary division and angst about what is meant by the better part. 
which was never intended to mean the better person. In fact, truth be told, there's a little of Martha's nature and Mary's nature in all of us. And at any given times, our lives may look more like one sister than the other, and that can change from day to day. So I just want to say, everybody, relax. Whether you are a Martha or a Mary, there will be no judgment in this room today. And quite honestly, I don't think there was any judgment in the room that day when Jesus visited Martha and Mary. There was a very important teaching for both sisters and for us, but I don't believe that Jesus ever intended to create a competition between the two women. In fact, Scripture implies that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus were good friends of Jesus. Without a doubt, he loved and cared for both of these sisters. So it's inconceivable that he would ever purposefully foster competition or hostility. And he would not intentionally stir up tension between these two sisters who, presumably unmarried women in the first century, most assuredly needed each other. Therefore, we have no choice but to reconsider this story as something other than a Mary is right and Martha is wrong story. And rather than read it through our 21st century lens, which tends toward that interpretation, we need to consider it from the context of the first century religious and cultural understanding of hospitality. Because you see, technically... From the first century standpoint, Martha, not Mary, is the one doing everything right and by the book. According to the societal norms as well as the religious law, offering anything less than radical hospitality to those who came into your home would bring shame upon your family. And Martha was well aware of the pressure and expectation placed on her to provide a generous and hospitable welcome to Jesus and his travel companions. So Martha was working hard, not because she was a workaholic, but because it was the one way that she knew she could uphold and protect their family name. If anything, Mary is the one breaking all the rules here. She doesn't seem to be the slightest bit worried about traditional hospitality to the guests. Worse yet, Mary is an unmarried woman sitting in the company of a man, sitting at his feet, which, by the way, in first century was where wives sat. She was a female learning from a male religious leader. This was unacceptable in this time and place. So to all you Martha types in the room, and I know there are some, you know, the very busy people who worry about all the details and want to make sure everybody feels welcome, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Martha was doing exactly what was expected of her. Mary was not. Not to mention, Jesus and his travel companions were utterly dependent on Martha while they were there. As someone once remarked, Martha knew people need to eat. 
And it's likely that she had learned as the head of a household from experience that things run a lot smoother when the details are tended to. So let's be clear. The first century folks in that house needed Martha back then as much as the church still needs her today. Being a Martha is not a bad thing. Being a Martha is no cause for shame. And the truth is, most congregations wouldn't survive without their fair share of hard-working, dedicated, detail-oriented people to make sure things get taken care of appropriately. But you know what the church does not need? And what Jesus definitely does not desire from any of us? It's the resentment that we hear in Martha's voice when she turns to Jesus to complain about Mary, which modern-day therapists would call triangling. I believe this behavior is what Jesus was most concerned about. He saw that Martha was becoming resentful and antagonistic toward her sister. He observed that her focus was on the tasks of hospitality rather than the purpose of hospitality. He recognized she wasn't just busy. She was on edge, perhaps overwhelmed, and her relationship with her sister was suffering as a result. Folks, Jesus was not only just concerned about his friend's emotional and spiritual well-being, he loved her enough to address it with her directly. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. Worried and distracted. Now, quite frankly, those are gentle words compared to the Greek translation. A better way of saying that would be, you are highly anxious and panic-stricken about many things, Terry, Terry, implying a state of being overwhelmed and dragged in many directions at the same time. I assure you, there's a much greater sense of desperation embedded here than what our English language can convey. And perhaps this resonates for some folks. I mean, many of us have, at one point or another, walked along the proverbial edge for a myriad of reasons. Mentally, physically, socially, emotionally, financially. Life overwhelms us. Situations frustrate us, and demands pull us in many directions. And before you know it, like Martha, we find ourselves on that short shoot of irritability and blaming others or speaking harshly to people and hurting those people closest to us, the people we love. We become focused on tasks, not relationships. And many times, the reason we do this is because we're worried about making a good impression. 
It happens when our identity and our self-image and our self-worth gets tied up in the production of perfection or in what other people think of us. Whatever the cause, the unfortunate truth is that when we get to this point, we risk great harm to our relationships. Our worry and distraction, our reaction to the stress can prevent us from purposefully engaging in meaningful relationships. When we're wrapped up in work and production, we neglect, as Martha did, the opportunity to fellowship and be in the company of others. Eventually, our priorities get misaligned as do our perspectives and perceptions. I'm not alone, right? So we, what happens is we take on a burden of responsibility, but it's not a responsibility for our relationships. It becomes this burden to make a good impression to people. In fact, we subconsciously adopt, we may self-consciously adopt the self-focus that... Martha shows here. I mean, notice how many times she makes this about herself and her needs. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The unsettling thing is that in our imbalance, we start to believe that everything really actually does depend on us rather than trusting God's power and presence. Now here's the twist in the Mary and Martha story. Jesus is not saying that we should not be busy or that we should not take care or worry about all the details. When Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, he isn't critical of Martha's work or of Martha as a person. Instead, Jesus sees the beginning of a downward, dangerous spiral for his dear friend whom he loves. So he did what good friends, true friends do. He reaches out to stop her before she does lasting damage to that relationship with her sister Mary and ultimately to herself and her relationship with God. So no, Jesus isn't telling Martha, drop everything and sit at my feet while everything goes undone. Instead, he's saying, Martha, Martha, do what you're doing for the right reasons and with the right heart. Do it from a place of love and devotion, not obligation and fear. Do it because you love me, not because some law says you have to or you'll, you're afraid you'll be deemed a failure if you don't. Make me. Make me and my love and my message of mercy and grace and justice your number one priority, Mar Martha. Because this is the better part. 
This is the one thing that's needed. So no, Martha, Martha, Terry, Terry is not a scolding. It is an expression of Christ's love and concern for our well-being. Now, in this sermon series where we examine how Jesus encounters people and how he interacts with them, and we see that as a model for our own interactions, we see this beautiful picture of friends helping friends be well. We see Jesus wanting both Mary and Martha to be filled with joy and peace. He wants Martha to have the same confidence in his grace that Mary has. In fact, this is Jesus' desire for all of his followers. As we carry out the kingdom-building work of the church, he wants us to be whole and well, most certainly as individuals, but also and especially in our relationships, to be at peace with each other and experience what Mary did, what he called the better part. So exactly what is this better part that Mary has chosen. Does it mean to be devoted to prayer? Is it about reading scriptures? Does it mean sitting at Jesus' feet and neglecting everything else? Does it, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean making Jesus a prior in our life? Yes, 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 it means all of that. But that is not all it means. The better part is also about the freedom we receive from Christ. It is about the freedom to be the beloved child of God that he says we are. You see, by indicating that Mary has chosen the better part, Jesus is not just praising her devotion or giving her preferential treatment. He's commenting on her confidence to ignore the social norms and religious laws in order to be in his presence. In essence, I believe what he's saying to Martha is that despite what she's been taught by her society, the rules and codes that she operates under do not have the power to define her worth. They are not the source of her family's honor and value. And they earn her no rewards in heaven. The hospitality laws doesn't make Jesus love Martha any more when she follows them or any less if she drops the ball. Let me say that again. For all the Marthas in the room, in a slightly different way. Beloved Marthas, my sisters, the expectations of our society or even church people or neighbors or even our own families do not define us. Nor does meeting those expectations make us good. 
The good news of Jesus' encounter with Martha and Mary is this. Jesus will not love us anymore if we do everything practically perfect in every way, nor any less if we make a huge mess. When Jesus says, Martha, Martha, he's teaching Martha and us about living in his grace. He liberates Martha from the expectations of her culture and sets her free from the pressure to justify herself to others. We might need to hear that again, too. Jesus' words aren't meant to chastise the Marthas of the world, but to lovingly invite us into a state of grace to find our purpose and our meaning and our confidence in our relationship with Christ. So Mary's better part, I believe, is that resolute confidence that she shows when she bucks all the expectations in order to draw near to Jesus. Because in that moment, She understands that her real value isn't whether she and Martha are able to put together the perfect chicken noodle casserole for Jesus. And the success of the day does not hinge on whether they eat off fine china or cheap paper plates. Friends, if there is ever to be any measurement of the success of Christian hospitality efforts then or now, it will always be gauged by the extent to which relationships are nurtured, treasured, and valued. Choosing the better part doesn't mean we just come to worship and neglect all the work of the church. I mean, surely Mary eventually goes back to the kitchen to help Martha. And choosing the better part isn't a statement about our goodness as a disciple. Choosing the better part isn't, doesn't make us better people. Choosing the better part is about choosing to accept God's unconditional love. Choosing the better part means that we choose to believe that we are loved by God and we trust that that love is enough. It is, in fact, what makes all the parts into the whole. God's love is what enables us to serve others with humility and grace. Knowing we are loved is what allows us to approach the throne of God's mercy with confidence. Trusting that God's love is enough is what empowers us to love God and love one another as ourselves. So knowing to the core of our being that in God's eyes we are enough, that leaves no room and no need to be in competition with anyone else. There's no reason to have adversaries. Instead, we can freely love and encourage and support one another. We can also speak truth in love 
And, and we can hear it when it is spoken to us. When we believe that God loves us and wants us to come into his presence, there's no reason to be anxious or bitter toward others. When we're confident in our relationship with our creator through Jesus Christ, then no matter what the rest of the world thinks or says or even how difficult our days become, our hearts are free. Free to experience true joy. And our soul encounters the peace that passes all understanding. So, friends, yes, we can absolutely work like Martha. In fact, there will be many weeks when we do that and then some. But when we have chosen the better part, to also be like Mary, trusting in his grace, assured of our value as a child of God, confident that all of our days are at God's leading, then we are free to walk through all kinds of weeks with total and complete peace. So hear the good news. There is need of only one thing. Believe it, and it will not be taken from you. All glory be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks and praise that you are a God who loves us beyond anything we can possibly understand or imagine. We give you thanks that you are our one thing. We give you thanks that the one thing that you give us is your love, and we pray that we would believe it. Help us believe it so that we too can share that same love with each other, knowing that it will never be taken from us. Amen. You're listening to Sunday with Tab a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab Podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked Sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indy. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B. PRES.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. I ask that they might all be one. Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. This was the great prayer for unity that Jesus prayed for his disciples. Unity is at the heart of his desire for us today. But how can this be when God's people are so different, distinct, and separated from one another? 
This is the miracle of God's work in the church. It is our common faith in Jesus that brings us together now and always. Rather than focusing on those things that divide the body of Christ, it is our desire at TAB to focus on the one who unites us. We invite you to experience this unity in Christ for yourself by visiting us in person or at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis, invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on WIBC, or find us online at tabprez.org.